Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and in this episode, we're going to hear from Susan Lovegren, a progressive HR executive with a track record of reimagining workplace policies, programs, and processes to better align with the rapidly changing needs of the workforce, business, and customers. Susan loves technology that simplifies work and enhances the, the employee experience, and we're going to be focusing a lot of the interview today on companies that she has worked with in the past or she, she's currently advising with that do exactly that. Susan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Bill. Great to be here today. So, before we get into the hard-hitting questions, Susan, please please tell our listeners a bit about your career background and some of the companies that you currently work with as an, as an advisor. Gosh, I've had a long career, and it's been a very fortunate career. I've been lucky in terms of working for some great companies, and um, I've spent my entire career working in the field of human resources. And I'll just start off by saying uh, one of the things that inspired me very early on in my career was trying to imagine a workplace where people were having a great time, where it didn't feel like work or drudgery, and that they could be extremely productive and happy and go home each day and feel like they had contributed in a positive way. And what I would see around me, including my own parents, was that work was more of a means to an end. And, you know, from my perspective, it really didn't need to be that way. So when I started off, I started off with one of the best companies on the planet, and that was Hewlett-Packard back in the day when Bill and Dave were actually still somewhat active in the company, and got to experience the HP way, which was an absolutely incredible culture of inspiring people, helping people be accountable, having clear goals, and um, really doing the right thing for both the communities in which they were based, but also... Um, in terms of how they treated people. So in general, most of the people there at that time were pretty happy. So I was fortunate to have that as kind of a baseline in my what I'd call formative years. So that was Hewlett Packard. I spent about 17 years there, and I was fortunate during that time also to uh, pioneer job sharing, which um, if anybody ever has any questions about that, I'm happy to discuss it. And um, from there, the company split. I went on to Agilent Technologies, spent six years there. Juniper Networks followed, Plantronics. And um, in both uh, Juniper and Plantronics, I led the human resources function as the CHRO. Then I went to two uh, startup companies, two uh, private pre-IPO companies, and I became the chief people officer. So the terminology started to change in terms of um, the role, and the role also started changing quite significantly. So had the opportunity to work for two SaaS companies. Um, one was purchased 36 hours before it was to go public. That was App Dynamics, and that was um, quite a shock for all of us, but it turned out to be a very positive thing from an employee perspective. Cisco purchased the company, and from there I went to Medallia, which is a customer experience platform company, and we did go public in July of 2019 and got to have an amazing experience. We brought 310 people to the New York Stock Exchange and celebrated 
Um, since that time, I have um, exited that company and moved into an advisor role for four different um, companies in the HR technology space. They all do slightly different things, performance management, OKRs, goal setting. The other one is a compliance employee relations platform. Um, one is a culture benefits platform, and the other one is related to uh, communities of learning. So that's it in a nutshell. And um, yeah, like I said, very, uh, very fortunate to have had these opportunities to work with some pretty interesting people and companies. We'll be right back after this message from Espresso. The workplace is now more than just work. It's the place where people find community and a sense of belonging to a bigger vision and mission. That's why Espresso built the first culture benefits platform designed to make heroes out of HR teams while connecting people and community. Espresso.com is total well-being, community, recognition, and culture benefits reimagined. Looking for more ways for your people to connect while positively impacting your bottom line? Visit Espresso.com. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A dot com. Okay, thank you very much. Now, we're used to having distributed employees and and uh, that's always been a challenge for engagement, of course, even though, you know, it's been an ongoing trend for many years. But with, uh, with everything that's been going on, uh, listeners, we're, we're recording this particular interview uh, in early May and very much the height of uh, a very terrible time with a, with a pen pandemic. What it means is, of course, that um, distributed employees and remote working is kind of on steroids at the moment, which can make certain engagement challenges even harder. Uh, digital programs like social recognition challenges and wellness allowances can really help. But what, what are your thoughts? So when I was thinking about all of the things going on related to this pandemic, what we're really experiencing is a significant amount of change. And so I think, you know, we spent a lot of time thinking about let's quickly put some solutions in place and try to respond in some manner because this is really like nothing we've experienced before. So if you go back to what happens in companies and in organizations, humans don't typically like change, especially change that has come upon them very quickly. And one of the um, best models around change management is the for consideration is the work that David Rock has done, and I, I think he's um, you know fabulous, and he's done a lot of work looking at what happens to your brain under stress. And you know he um, he has a model. It's called the scarf model. And I think it's a really simple model. It's something to think about that's very relevant to what's going on right now. So SCARF stands for status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And when any one of those things in the workplace goes out of whack, you tend to have people experiencing a lot more stress. And so under any kind of change or any sort of threat, if you will, People tend to go into the fight or flight mode, or they tend to be distracted or not as productive, etc. So if you think about what's happening with this pandemic, all of these things have been affected. People are working from home. They have really very little certainty. Are they going to have a job? Are they going to be able to get promoted? Their sense of autonomy in many respects has been changed because 
Now maybe they're having to check in or be online at certain times to, to connect with their manager. Maybe their manager has them under more um, uh, specific deliverables. Uh, there's potentially a sense of fairness where that people are wondering, you know, how come some people get to be home, some people have to come in, some people have to, some people get more tools, they get a chair, some people don't, all of those kinds of things. So if you really put yourself into the mind of the average person, they are being impacted very, very deeply. And that undercurrent of stress is really affecting the individual. So that being said, you know, all of these solutions are super important to people. You know, the distributed workforce needs to be connected. They need to feel that they have frequent contact with people because as by nature, humans are social. Even if you're introverted, you still need that connection. You still need those frequent check-ins. And you still need to be cared for. And the, the caring is everything from we want you to be well, we want you to exercise, we want you to have these tools and options and show our care for you, but also show our empathy and really hit the nail on the head for providing you with solutions that are meaningful to you. And those solutions might look different going forward than the current set of offerings that you know most companies have been able to provide today because the context has changed. Thank you very much. Now, um, companies typically have a wellness or reimbursement and allowance model, Susan, uh, applied to a gym membership or yoga or mindfulness. Now, such places are closed, of course. Uh, so what, 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 can, what can companies offer instead? Or um, is that something people just have to suck up, frankly? What, 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 what can companies be doing, I guess, to to still reward and recognize their, their top employees? Yeah, I think it's probably more important than ever. So again, going back to this notion of empathy, um, you know, people are home in all kinds of situations. Uh, so, you know, typical in the Bay Area, you might have some early career stage people crammed into an apartment, okay? And it's maybe noisy and it's uncomfortable. Maybe they would do better by um, offering them some sort of ergonomic setup as opposed to um, a gym membership. So, you know, to, to make sure that they're staying well and that ergonomically they're not um, at risk for developing any type of injury, you know, those, those types of rewards may look very, very different. It might be for the first time uh, people are cooking at home a lot more. They're not using um, restaurants or they're not going out for lunch and maybe they don't have as many skills related to cooking and cooking classes might be a really important thing. Uh, folks who might be homeschooling their children who've never had to uh, you know, do that in the past or don't really understand um, some of the concepts that they're trying to teach their child, they would benefit from uh, some tutoring or some assistance in the, the homeschooling arena. So it's going to be very different for every single person. Um, other people are going to crave that, that social connection. What if you're a brand new employee and you are all of a sudden, you know, stuck at home and you don't have really the connections for anybody at work? You might need a buddy. You might need somebody that is going to check on you uh, more, more frequently. But I do think... Um, People are looking for those connections. Could be improving their skills, learning a foreign language. Those are the types of things that are um, going to 
capture people's imagination in a way that is interesting, but also demonstrates that the company is caring for them and wants them to feel a part of the company and feel that there's something good good going on. Um, one one experience that I've seen work pretty well is in the employee resource groups. The parent groups, in particular, the, they have been very very active and are really pulling together to share resources, and that's been something that's been very, very appreciated from um, from many of my, my former colleagues. Okay, now then, um, I'd like to get your thoughts at this point, Susan, on, on employee experience as a competitive advantage. Now, until extremely recently, and, and again, just to remind our listeners, we're recording this particular interview in, in early May, and, and until very recently, uh, there was a war for talent. You know, it was it was tough to to get the the top talent out there and 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 to retain them and and to keep them happy. Um, things have things have changed dramatically, and we're looking at sadly un, unprecedented numbers of unemployment across mm-hmm. across the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and, and elsewhere. Of course, um, given the current circumstances, Susan, does employee experience as a competitive advantage? Is, is, is does that still hold true? Um, are, are people, frankly, just happy to to keep a job right now yeah I think it's a great question the in my opinion the employee experience is going to matter more than it ever has if you think about it from the standpoint of a customer experience the the two are, are very similar in some some respects so as a consumer when you go to purchase something online or if you're going to go to an establishment you are expecting to be treated a certain way with respect, dignity, et cetera, and, and get your product or service. It's very, very similar from an employee perspective. You come, you offer your skills, your talent, and you expect in return from that, you expect to be paid, you expect to be treated a certain way, developed, um, cared for, you expect to have a relationship with, with people that is that is meaningful. And so that desire doesn't go away just because there's a pandemic. Sure, there's a necessity of, of needing a job, but creating a great employee experience doesn't necessarily cost a huge amount of money. It, it requires some consistency. It requires some commitment and empathy of understanding what it is that your employees desire the most and designing around that. So it's really kind of flipping that, that pyramid a bit. So it really needs to be driven much more by the employee side of it than a than a top-down kind of experience. So from my perspective, the employee experience is more important because when, in fact, things are different after we come out of this, I'm not saying they'll be the same, but when they're different, people are going to remember how you made them feel. Were they cared for? Did, they, did the company try to do some things? Did they offer some um, things that would be supportive to them? Um, that showed care, that showed um, concern for their well-being. And if they didn't, then people still have a choice. People can still vote with their feet, and they can still um, make different choices, assuming that you know they're still still employed with, with that company. But again, even if you're unemployed, you're going to look for a company or a place to go to where you can have the best possible experience. And the war for talent doesn't doesn't end with this. It, it just it'll take some different directions, I'm sure, but I think the employee experience you create that's what's going to drive your culture, 
and it's all done through your consistent behaviors that um, are demonstrated day in and day out in the company. And again, it's it's yes, you're offering you know some benefits, you're offering support through the employee resource groups, you're doing all of those things, but you also have to have that consistency with those with those programs and recognize that that desire does not go away. Okay, this is quite a cynical question for you, Susan, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, the, the last time we saw massive economic upheaval, let, let's just put aside for one moment, if, if we can, if we can um, the, 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 other, the other side of this, which is people are, people are dying right now. But um, mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of a massive economic upheaval, the last time we saw this was around 2008, 2009. And frankly, yeah. at that time that there wasn't there weren't really the avenues or the vehicles available to employees to be able to shout to the world that their employer had treated them badly you know um uh, i'm thinking here tools like glassdoor okay sure. do, do you think do you think that um actually it if, if we are being cynical a lot of employers must appreciate that even if they do need to make hard decisions they really do need to do it in the right way and be respectful because otherwise that could come around and bite them in the bum if if their ex-employees start saying nasty things about them. Um, yeah, it's not a cynical question at all. It is a reality. So social media, whether it's through Glassdoor or Blind or through uh, Facebook, word of mouth, um, it is even, even private or alumni you know, Slack channels that people set up. The word about you as an employer um, is out. And so the better the experience people have, the better they're treated, the better you can manage your reputation. Um, But, you know, you're always going to have people who are going to say things, maybe they had an unfortunate experience, they had a bad manager, uh, perhaps they were an underperformer. Things do do crop up, uh, and you do need to manage, manage those things as best as possible. But I, I definitely think the better you can do with it, and if I go back to Hewlett Packard as an example, who had a very generous um, package for people that it had laid off and I experienced a lot of different you know, crises when I was working for that company. And people would lose their jobs in some cases. They would be offered some retraining, et cetera. They would help them get, you know, um, uh, associated with some government programs. This was when a lot of offshoring was going on with manufacturing to help people get retrained. They would give people fair warning that you know there were some skills re- retooling that needed to go on, um, or they would even you know set up you know some career centers to help them look for other opportunities. So even though people are losing jobs, I have seen some great work going on where people are helping each other with job leads. People are putting things out working with other CEOs across um, across companies that hey we'll take you know we'll take your people or you know we've got some openings send them over here and trying to get those people through the application process a little bit quicker to get everybody you know working again so I am seeing a lot of goodwill a lot of um, you know a lot of camaraderie of people trying to trying to keep everybody employed as much as possible and the other thing um, related to to layoffs, many companies all want to lay people off because it's so it's so hard to hire all these people. So they're doing what they can with furloughs or some uh, even reduced hours to try to you know, keep as much of the workforce 
going as they can and um you know supplement them in in a variety of ways so i think I think it's a little different this go around with um people maybe putting a little bit more effort into it. I think hopefully we're a little bit smarter about talent and um also you know with all the transparency in the world, I think it's it's important to be to be careful i think um it's we should always be careful, but I think with the transparency we have to be accountable for the way we treat people. And so it's not necessarily a terrible thing. Okay. We are pretty much out of time for today, Susan. Before we wrap things up, how can our listeners learn more about you and connect with you? Well, um, I'm available out on LinkedIn. That's the best way to connect with me and happy to hear your thoughts. And um, yeah, it's been great. I've really enjoyed this time. And if uh, anything else comes up, let me know. Wonderful. Well, that just leaves me to say for today, Susan, thank you very much for being a guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Great. Thank you. Have a good day. Take care. Stay well. Bye-bye. And listeners, until next time, stay safe. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.